0: jump into the Word of the Lord. I want to read uh, verses 8 through, let's see, where do I want to go here? 11, uh, out of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we'll be jumping around again because I want to cover the the text of this. Um, We've looked at verse 28 of chapter 12 dealing with the gifts of men. Uh, Now we're looking at gifts that strengthen. We began this last week And we will press on um, in the weeks to come. But let's read the word of the Lord and then ask him to teach us. Uh, You'll also need to know where Romans 12 is. Okay. Colossians would be a good place to know, too, and 1st and 2nd Timothy. Okay. So, other than that, it should be very condensed. Okay. You guys, you laugh, but it says, I don't want you to be unaware. Okay, now you guys may not get the urgency of that statement, but I do. And my God's telling me, Terry, everybody you get involved with, you make sure they are aware. And I believe that this is vital to the church. I think it's the single thing that is killing the church today is that we now have um, intellectual ascension that we believe we are now assisting God. I talked to a young lady just yesterday who said she wanted to go to the mission field. And I said, "You have a burden for missions," and I, she said, "Yes, I do." And I said, well, "Where would you like to go?" And she said, "Ecuador." And I said, "Why Ecuador? Because I've never been there." Hmm. I have a, a burden for Cancun. <laughs> And the reason is I've been there and I believe they're in need. (laughs) Okay? Anyway, let's read our text. For one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to one the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by one Spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another the distinguishing of spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to another another the interpretation of tongues. Father, help us. Help us to hear. Father, we, uh, we understand the urgency of the day and how vital Your enabling to Your people for Your church is. So, Father, help us to set aside preconceived notions and be sensitive to what Your Word is saying. Father, I beg You now, Use this vessel. Father, that it is not me that they hear, but it is you that they hear. And Father, you make this real in our lives. And Father, my dear brother who is in your presence says, let us flesh this out. And Father, help us to do that. Help us to know that victory, to be overcomers to the glory of the risen King. Amen. All right. Here we go. We've looked at gifted men or gifts of men, gifts of men, men empowered by God, gifted by God, set aside by God for the building of his church. We've looked at this. We've looked at several texts. Now we're moving into gifts that strengthen. And I'm going to give you kind of quick review. First Peter chapter four, verse 10. You can write that down. You'll see that the gifts are into two categories. One is a speaking gift one is a serving gift. Yes, I know that speaking gift is a serving gift, but you will see what I mean. If you look at it, you'll find that in these two categories of speaking and in serving, there are 11 that are manifest. Because see, there's another line of gifts. Gifts that signal. And I'll deal with that in the weeks to come. But right now, I want you to understand that we're dealing with five speaking gifts. Speaking gifts. All right. Remember, he says, I don't want you to be unaware. The church is divided in Corinth. The church has got personality cults. The church has got immorality. The church has got some crazy doctrines sitting out there. The church is dealing with a a greater influence of the world in the church than the church influencing the world. Does that sound familiar? So how crucial is it that the church be aware of this? Be aware of this supernatural ability that is given to individuals then collectively is given unto the body of Christ. Your gifts are all for me. My gift is for you. You got robbed. Okay? But yet how many people believe that I have to have an intellectual ascension? I have to have this many gigabytes of information or I must do this or I must do that before I can be used. And let me tell you something. You'll never make it. You will never ever make it. The day that you think that you are now ready, is the day that Proverbs shall shout to you, pride comes before the fall. Okay? The person who believes that they're actually adequate in dealing with the souls of men is a fool. Is a fool. Okay? I mean, we were talking about that in our Sunday school lesson this morning. Repentance, if you've got somebody who has sinned against you in the body of Christ, don't quarrel. Don't argue with them. Pray that God brings them to repentance. Why? Do you think you can? They're doing the will of Satan in the church. You're going to fix that? You, can, you need to stop that. You believe that'll work? I mean, how many of us can get our kids to listen to us? Let alone a saint of God doing the will of Satan in the church. Right. That's good, 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 smart logic there. But I know people who believe that they can. If I do this and this and this and this, this will all happen. No, it won't, never will. But God's never said He would. He says, I will do it through you. You can't do this. Okay? So I want us to be aware of this because the church is missing this. The church individually and collect- collectively is missing the blessing. The church individually and collectively is missing the witness. When the church comes together in the unity and the power of the Holy Spirit. Lost people are in awe, and they want to see it. Okay? Man is looking for peace. Man is looking for unity, and he can't generate it. He's never been able to. And yet the church has the ability, and yet what does the church do? The church tries to do it in her own strength, and what happens? There's no unity. There's no peace. Peace. Okay. But they're also missing the point that the leadership. I've had conversations with Pastor Paul, had conversations with Dr. Olford, I had conversations with Dr. Shaddix up at uh, Riverside. I've talked with all these men, and you know what the common denominator is? I, even in when I was dealing with Valerian Russia, there is a lack of leadership. The leaders, the men are the leaders, period. You don't get an option in that. Okay. God designed it. I didn't design it. He says the spiritual leader in the planet will be male. Then I will set some to be elders and they will have oversight over the church. I will ordain, he says. All right. And yet, if we are not doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit, you never see those leaders. We go looking for man's leaders. But when the body of Christ is functioning in the power of the Holy Spirit through the spiritual gifts, guess what? Natural, the leaders that God has called, all of a sudden start rising up and you start seeing them all over the place. Okay? So they missed the leadership. They missed the unity and the fellowship. How many people today... Let me ask you a question. I shared that text out of Acts chapter 20 where Paul said goodbye to the Ephesian elders. How many of you have ever wept over your church? How many of you have ever wept over people who have left your church? How many of you have ever left a church and wept? Because you left the church. The church is no big deal to us today. It it, is, well, you know, Sunday morning, I guess I need to go to church. You just don't see it today. The apostle Paul wept. And it's in the the original language. This is an intense weeping. This was a a baby crying, you know, the crocodile tear thing. I've seen that. I've seen that with Pastor Paul. He wept over leaving. He cried like a baby to leave us. How many of us do that? Okay. And all that shows is a lack of unity. We miss that unity. We miss that fellowship. We miss that, quote-unquote, what I call the koinonia. Okay, koinonia says, you're more important than me. What would you like to do? That's hard. We struggle with that. Well, we have our time. Well, I'm going to give him an hour. Okay? Some go to church. Well, I'm going to give him 30 minutes. I'll give him 15 or 20 minutes. Why? Well, I'm very busy. You know what? I guarantee you, if you're honest with your life, how much of your busyness is self-inflicted? How much you, I, How much do we just do because I'm supposed to do? I'm supposed to be doing something. I wonder what we do with the verse that says, Be still and know I am Lord. Well, I know what we do with it. We ignore it because I'm busy. Okay? We miss the unity and the fellowship because it is, becomes about us and when you do us you know what happens to the influence of your spiritual gift it vanishes it vanishes why aren't the people in the body of Christ being used I just give it to you okay so we miss blessings we miss a witness to a lost and dying world we miss the leaders that should be apparent in the power of God that he set aside we miss the unity in the fellowship alright now then Let's cruise, and I I want to... uh, Where where do I want to go here? All right, we looked at prophecy last week. I want to kind of hit prophecy one more time because what you're going to find out, all of these have to kind of go together, okay, to a degree. Um, If you look at Romans, don't go over there. I'll just read it to you because I need you to go over to 1 Timothy chapter 4. All right, I'm going to go to Romans 12, and we'll see if we can come together someplace, all right? Romans 12... Paul says this, we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. Okay? To speak before, okay, that's prophecy. It's a combination word, thema, pro. Pro is before speak to an audience is thema. All right. Uh, it's the word you get theme from. There's a theme of a text. Okay. So it's, it's all out there. So basically to prophesy is to speak before. Okay. And he says, you speak before according to the grace given and the grace is based on the measure of your faith. I have seen people who speak before audience that should shut up. Okay, because their faith ain't in what they're saying. Okay, when you blend human wisdom with divine scripture, your faith isn't strong enough to speak. Um, what was it? She called me, Loon. Uh, She said, "Yeah, she says your husband when he preaches, he is brave." it ain't that bad, lady. Come on. <laughs> All right. But after talking with her husband, I understood what he said. There is a confidence. There's a power. Listen, it ain't me, people. According to the measure of my faith, I am speaking forth. Get a hold of that. That is important. It isn't a matter of how much insight you can get. Okay. It's a matter of, do you believe? Do you believe? I mean, we can talk about finances. Ministries are in financial crisis right now. All over the place. We are. We are struggling. And everybody we support is struggling. All right? You know why? We believe the Bible from cover to cover. We're not into bells and whistles and games. You know, I remember visiting a church that their VBS was given helicopter rides. Dude, you know how many kids you can get doing that? But what would you give them? Helicopter ride. Okay, maybe we want to stay for the week for BVS. Can I stay? I'd like to ride. <laughs> okay, but do you, that's the kind of stuff that you see today. It's, it's a, it becomes a circus. It becomes entertainment. What do we do? Well, we look around and say, how many people are here today? Oh, man. You know, if we count the kids, we can get the number up. Okay, great. Count the kids. Get the number up. But will that help? No. God's asking you and I right now, do you trust me? You know what that is? Faith. Faith. Who's being used in this body of people? Those who are faithful. Sorry. I'm not here to hurt anybody. I'm just telling you that you can't exercise a gift if you don't have any faith. Why? Well, if I do this and this and this and this... See, I was called to church maintenance. Why? What did I do for a living? I was a carpenter, electrician. What should be my position in the body of Christ? The foghorn. The foghorn. In case you haven't figured it out yet, I have a gift of prophecy. Prophecy. I speak before and it's based on my... Faith. Now then, I want to show you something because uh, it's kind of funny. Somebody asked me about it and then they don't show up today. So they'll have to get the tape and I'm going to charge them twice as much. (laughs) All right. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse... Where do I want to go? 13 through 16. Let's read this. Until I come, give attention to public reading of Scripture, to exhortation and to teaching. Do not neglect the spiritual gift... Within you, which was bestowed on you through prophetic utterance with laying on of hands by the presbytery. Take pains with these things. Be absorbed in them so that your progress will be evident to all. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Preserve, persevere in these things. For as you do this, you will ensure salvation both for yourself and for those who hear you. All right. Interesting phrase here. Okay. Paul exhorting Timothy to press on toward the mark. What does he tell him to do? Chapter 4, verse 13. Until I come, give attention to what? Public reading of Scripture to exhortation and teaching. What would public reading of Scripture be? Prophecy. Stand before. Stand before. What would he be prophesying? The book. I know a whole bunch of people who are standing before and talking nonsense. I remember seeing a guy carry his Bible. The special music was, uh, Harry Chaffin, Cats in the Cradle and the Silver Spoon and all that. That was special music. This is a church. That was special music. He had his Bible in his hand. You know, it's one of them really cool ones that hang. It just, and every time I do that, I'm, usually off center and anyway but he's carrying it around and the whole time you know the whole 22.2 minutes he talks about that song and he comes with prayer what are you doing with the Bible in your hand you you could have I don't know I guess give you something to do keep them out of your pockets okay that is not prophecy. That is not prophecy. De- Balaam's donkey did a better job. Okay? This guy has a 22,000-member church. Okay? And, 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 in case you ain't figured it out, it frustrates me, just a tad. Why? I want you to give public reading to what? Give attention to what? Reading of the scriptures. Okay. Do not neglect neglect the gift that is in you. What was the gift? What do you think it was? It was given to him through prophetic utterance. You know what prophetic utterance is now? Somebody or a group of somebody's, because it says the presbytery laid hands on him, the group came together and says, by the word of God, you, what? What do you do? Well, it says here, read publicly. Okay, let me show you reading publicly in case you're missing it. Chapter 4 of 2 Timothy. Chapter 4, verse 1. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus who will judge the living from the dead in the appearing of His kingdom. That's pretty serious right there, okay? I am commanding you this, okay? And here are the witnesses to this that you are to do. Who is the witnesses? God and Jesus Christ. And I'm just thinking that that's kind of a serious... uh, Timothy, I'm talking to you now, okay? What is he wanting to do? I want you to give attention to what? The public reading of Scripture. wonder what that is. Preach the Word. I want you to give attention to exhortation. What would that be? Preaching the word. I want you to give attention to teaching. What would that be? Preaching the word. It's always preaching the word. Sometimes it'll be an individual. Sometimes it will be a group. Sometimes it'll be public. Sometimes it'll be private. Do you see that? That is amazing stuff. And what is it we do today? We exercise the gift of prophecy through the preaching of the Word. Preaching of the Word. Remember what I shared with you out of 1 Thessalonians? I do not want you to quench the Spirit. Chapter 5, 1 Thessalonians. I don't want you to quench the Spirit. One of the ways to quench the Spirit is to despise prophetic prophetic utterance. Did you know that the word utterance is part of the root word cursa? Is the word we get preached from? Prophetic utterance. Prophetic utterance. Listen, preaching has nothing to do with volume. Okay? I mean, um, level of volume. Has nothing to do with it. You can preach the word sitting at your dinner table. I'm speaking before. You, do you see what I'm trying to get at? We've got it in our mind. Yes, what you're doing right now, what I'm doing right now is classified as a preaching event. But on it, you can have a preaching event to one person. You can have a preaching event to a hundred people. You can have a preaching event. To, so, so you see what I'm trying to get at? That's the kind of stuff that we have to pay attention to. Okay? Um... So I don't want you to quench the spirit. If you're going to quench the spirits, here's how you're going to do it. Do not despise prophetic utterance. This is a vital gift. Remember, I shared with you 1 Corinthians 14 that all the gifts were necessary. This is vital today. This is over utilize Over uh what am I trying to say? It is underestimated and not used nearly enough. All right. Let me give you one more verse out of 1 Corinthians 14, 39. Therefore, my brethren, brethren would be plural. He's talking to a church that has more worldly influence than they are influencing the world. Desire earnestly to prophesy. Stop right there. What should be the greatest desire in the body of Christ? Okay. Now then. I just wanted to clear some of that up and we're going to jump back into chapter 12 and I want to deal with the word of knowledge, the word of knowledge. I have seen so much silliness on this that it is uh, kind of depressing. The problem is you have two words here, logos genosis, logos genosis. And, and, And so we have logos is the word. Is the word. The word, logos, it can be written, it can be spoken, it can be a crowd, it can be an individual. Okay, so when you see the word of wisdom or the word of knowledge, it can be a spoken word, it can be a written word, uh, it can be on, I doubt if you're going to find it on television, uh, and there's a couple of places you might find it in in on radio, but not very many. Okay, but the word gnosis is this it's used so many times in the new testament it's hard to just hammer down and say this is what it is it definitely means to be experienced at something Uh, listen gnosis isn't i was just sitting there thinking real hard and all of a sudden something came okay it literally means that this was revealed to me it was look it opened up to me not that it has to be revelatory Okay. Revelation. Remember revelation. Revelation is God giving something that has never been given before. Okay. I was talking to a guy one time who was teaching through the book of Hebrews and I was about three quarters of the way through it. He was just struggling and we were going back and forth through emails and phone calls and all the rest of it. And finally it dawned on me. He thought he was going to find something in Hebrews that nobody else had found. Okay, now I just got done reading Arthur Pink's commentary on the book of Hebrews, and that thing is about that thick. Okay, if Pink hasn't found it, it ain't in there. Okay, because he had stuff in there that to this day I don't know what he meant. Okay, that is the gift of knowledge. That is the gift of knowledge. It is the spirit given ability to observe biblical facts and make conclusions. That's what it is. It is the ability to, through historical and grammatical understanding, to understand Scripture. Understand Scripture. They understood the culture, the Jewish nature. They understand linguistic things, the syntax. The original language to the people that they were writing. You see it in archaeology, biblical archaeology. You see it in people who are, have the gift of languages that I call uh, linguistics. Okay, that, you know, I've seen some of the people that, that make me nervous, but I don't have the gift, so it would make me nervous. See, I praise God for people with the gift of knowledge. Okay, I, I read them, I listen to them. Uh, And they have this gift and they help me to understand. And I can take it and I can apply it. Okay. Uh, They have the gift of knowledge, the word of knowledge. Understand, when you see the word of knowledge, that's logos. Okay. Word of knowledge means that it's either spoken or it's written. Okay. Or somehow you're going to hear it. Because literally it means I got to communicate this thing. Okay, so it's got to be the word of it It's going to be I'm going to learn something. What am I going to learn here? Uh, I remember one time. It's been several years ago. I had I don't think I had started the book of Hebrews. I, I was concluding uh, Second Timothy, and I was preparing for the book of Hebrews. And I found out that Spirit Zodiates was having a, um, a a seminar on the book of Hebrews, chapter one, just one chapter, five days. I said this will be great. I'll just go and I can and. It'll all be good. So he, <clears throat> we sit out in the classroom, hands you this big old packet of all the Greek tenses and everything of the book of Hebrews chapter 1, and you just look at it and you're just like, whoa, this is great, and all the rest of it. He comes into the room, and I'm sitting there just going to town thinking this is wonderful stuff because I don't have a clue what it means, And but it's really good. <laughs> but uh, So I'm just going through it, and he comes in, and we pray, and he says, now open your Bibles to John chapter 1. Okay, and so he begins to exegete, John chapter 1 I'm sitting here looking at my notes Hebrews chapter 1 my Bible's open to John chapter 1 he's having a blast with John chapter 1 and I'm sitting here looking at Hebrews chapter 1 thinking you know this guy's a little old he had a stroke Uh, maybe you know the 8 cylinder motors running on 2 and a quarter I don't know what's going on in the course of the week, he managed to take chapter 1 of John and the massiveness of who Christ is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he took that, and he came around all the way. The whole solar system, he came around and, bam, landed headfirst right into Hebrews 1. What is the preeminence of Jesus Christ in Hebrews 1? And here I thought the guy, you know, maybe his little gear shift is stuck. But see, the gift of knowledge says, let me show you all that is here. Okay? And I praise God for that kind of thing. It was absolutely mind-boggling. One of the best things I've ever said to do in my life. But I'll be honest with you, on Monday and Tuesday, I was thinking, hmm, I've got 16 hours in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and all the notes I have is Hebrews 1. Great. Okay? Okay? I should be a professor. I can walk around confused and everybody thinks I'm supposed to be. Okay? But he has the gift of knowledge. Okay, let me tell you something about this gift. It's basic. This is a bottom line. It's biblical interpretation. Okay? Arthur Pink had this gift. Arthur Pink thought too much. I mean, for me, he thought too much. I mean, he he came up with stuff that you just sit there and go, I mean, when he was talking about patience... Patience is time-based, okay? This is, again, out of his commentary on uh, Hebrews. It's time-based. Well, here's the problem. God's not bound by time. So what is patience for God? Oh, no. (laughs) You know what? I don't think he did either. Or if he did, I didn't get it. But he has the gift of knowledge, and I have the gift of, uh... Do you see the difference? I mean, who, who, why would you even think that up? God's not bound by time, so how can he be patient? Because patient has to have time. He created time. Okay, fine. All right, do you see what I'm trying to get at? These are the people who sit around and hurt people like me. Okay? But see, I can't hurt you because all I can tell you, you ought to read this because this here will hurt you. <laughs> when you get done, you sit there and go, golly, <laughs> so much for me thinking I was smart. Okay? This is important. Um, when I was in Israel two years ago, I ran into a young lady. Um, I don't know. She was probably 30, 29 or 30. Had just graduated from uh, Dallas with her uh, doctorate. And I said, well, that's cool. I, and she said that the guy who was doing our archaeological study in Israel was a graduate of Dallas. And, and I said, so what was your doctorate in? And she smiled at me. And she says, linguistics. And I said, what? <laughs> linguistics. Yeah, I love languages. And the nuances. Right now she's in a place that I'm not allowed to say or I'd have to kill you all. No, <laughs> she's in, uh, in a place near China. Uh, translating five dialects of the Scripture. And then she's teaching English to a bunch of people who don't know it. Okay, And if she's single. She doesn't want to do anything else. And I'm just sitting there going, that's just not right. <laughs> it is. It's just something. I mean, you get excited about dangling participles. Uh, hey, knock yourself out. Knock yourself out. Okay, uh, I've seen it with archaeologists. Dr. Bealey, who led our, our, our guided us around in uh, um, Israel, uh, has his degree in biblical archaeology, and he knows stuff that just you shouldn't know. They're just you know you should know you why, okay? But you know how to make a a column, what a Corinthian column looks like, what a Roman column looks like. And I'm sitting there going, they're all laying in a pile. (laughs) So it's what that comes from, they call rubble. All right? But he knows that kind of stuff. Why? It brings the Scriptures alive. I mean, I was sitting uh, in an area uh, where um, Elijah... Was making the prophets of Baal mad. we were set up on the hill, Mount Carmel, and it kept piling up. And I looked around, and he keeps saying, "Pile up the cedars, pile up the cedars." Guess what's around there? Cedars everywhere. And he just keep piling them up, piling them up, set it on fire. To see if we, you know, see, if you've got to consume it. Do whatever you got to do. Let's pour water on it. And then you look this over the hill. They're in a drought, and they're just a stone's throw from where Mediterranean. Because you, you ever wondered that? I always wondered that. How can you have three years of drought? And all of a sudden, he starts pouring water all over everything. Where are you getting the water? Well, the Mediterranean ain't empty. And I mean, you can see it. You can see this hill. You just look right over there, and there's a great big old blue water. Hmm. I guess he was running down the hill. Dude, you know, somebody was. That's the gift of knowledge. Now, Now, listen, I didn't... I just got to stand there, and all of a sudden, it all started coming together for me. All right? But... These people sit around and think about this stuff. You know, I have my degree in Sanskrit. In what? In Sanskrit. Ancient Hebrew. What? Because I got news for you. The Hebrew that is spoken today is not the Hebrew that was spoken in the time of David. It was not the same that was written in the time of David. That just came out by a guy. uh, Can't remember his name now. They named the airport after him. Ben-Gurion. Ben-Gurion. He came back up with the Hebrew language. What you get in Hebrew today, you know where they got the Old Testament from? The Septuagint. You know what the Septuagint is, right? That's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. Do you know who translated it? Alexander the Great. He conquered them and said, Hey, I'm a spiritual dude. I think I was born of a virgin. I believe I'm deity. I'll just absorb everybody's. Okay? See what the gift of knowledge does? Gives you information that is absolutely useless unless you're playing Bible trivia. And then you ain't gonna get, did Alexander write? said? All right. They have an ability, this is vital. They have an ability to observe and to understand and to manifest um, this in the body of Christ. There are some of you in this room right now who have this gift. No, you're not an archaeologist. I need, to under- I need you to understand something here. It's manifested in so many ways. It is never based on higher education. And please, uh, Bible, s- college, seminary is not a qualification for the gift of knowledge. Okay? Please understand that. All right? But there are some who have an ability to study the Scripture and to draw out the facts simply by observing the text. That's a strange thought. But They can. They can. It's a tremendous gift. But remember what I shared with you out of Romans chapter 12. It is based on a measure of what? Faith. Faith. All right. It has different energizings. Okay. You can have a hundred people who have the word of knowledge and they all work a little different. Listen. Spirit Zodiates has the gift of knowledge. But it's like Wayne, Wayne and I are kind of on the same, well, not really, but we are a little bit together. His comment about Zodiates is he's still circling the airport and has never landed. And that is the way he is. You sit and converse with him. If you're not careful, you go someplace you had no idea. I run into a guy. Ah, I wish I could remember his name. Guy has five PhDs. Okay. Not honorariums. He has five PhDs. He has a doctorate in neurosurgery. He has a doctorate in sociology. He has a doctorate in Bible uh, words, entomology. Is it entomology? Not bugs, not Bible bugs. Bible word movement, how it changes. Okay? He also has a degree. And I mean, this guy sits around and just... Okay? We're sitting at a table talking to him. Joe Sedbury's with me. Joey looks at him and says... Uh, Bob Westcott is his name. He says, Bob, where does sin come from? Oh, my Lord, Joe, why would you ask a man with five PhDs that question? He began to explain it how the neurons would fire and it did this and this chemical balance and. And I said, You're starting in the cerebral core and you're going to work out to show me how the flesh works? I'm going to go play golf. <laughs> Joey, take notes. I'll talk to you later. Well, you know, Joe, he was there for four hours. Joe came out his eyes about this big room. He's got white foam coming out of the corner of his mouth. And I said, so did you figure it out? He says, it's the flesh, man. It is the flesh. Okay, I was sitting there going, I don't know, Joe. I had warned Joe. Joe, there's two guys in this place you don't want to ask questions to. Okay, one was Dr. Zodiotis and the other one was Dr. Westcott. He, he gave me a book. He says, I'm writing this book, it's going to be published. I think Dallas is going to publish it. And it's on um, biblical interpretations. You take this home and you teach it to everybody you run into. I started flipping through this thing thinking, I don't have a clue what this is. <laughs> I'm going to teach it. Right, I'll teach it. What is it? I don't know. Like the first four chapters are in Greek. Well, you need to know the language. Why did God write it in English? Okay. Okay? But those are the kinds of people. They're vitus. They're a tremendous gift. There's some of you, I believe, in this room right now who have it. You have it. But it has different energizing. Um, What do I mean by that? To do my job, okay, I have to have the gift of knowledge. Have to. Think about it. Okay? but mine is only about one-fifth knowledge, okay? I got four-fifths wisdom, and I'll deal with that next week or in two weeks. Four-fifths wisdom, okay? I got, I don't even know how much prophecy, okay? But when it comes to knowledge, I got about a fifth of what I probably need, okay? But I read these other people, and I thank God for them. Right, But let's be realistic. If you're going to be a teacher, you'd better have some knowledge or shut up. Okay? Because I've heard people who who think they're gifted teachers and all I can think is, you're in the wrong line. (laughs) When God was handing out knowledge, you were saying, where's the bagels? Okay? (laughs) But I mean that. I've seen it. Okay? Listen, here's where my gift manifests itself in knowledge. I love history. I always have loved history. So that is the manifestation of my... what I have in knowledge. So whenever I look at Scripture, I always see it where? From a historical perspective. And if you think about listening to my sermons, what do you hear a lot? History. There's a historical background to it. This is legitimate stuff. This is true. This is one of the best history books in the world. Okay? At a time... The word of knowledge was revelatory. Again, revelation means God is speaking something that's never known. Okay? Basically, God is saying, here is the truth. Paul received that kind of knowledge. I don't want to get really get into this. I dealt with revelatory last week, but revelatory, you see Paul dealing with it in Ephesians chapter 3 and Colossians chapter 1. Okay? God gave him things that he did not know. He calls them mysteries, have been revealed. Okay? God gave the Apostle Paul direct word of knowledge. And then what did Paul do with it? He proclaimed it. He stood before anybody that would listen and proclaimed it. See, if you have the gift of prophecy, you will find yourself sharing God's truth every opportunity you get. Every opportunity that you get. But you had better have some knowledge. Okay, other times you see the Apostle Paul and he was taking what was already given and he was just repeating it. The word of knowledge is used over 300 times in the New Testament, all kinds of variations. And I don't think that I can just isolate it to revelation. There are some who believe that it is never used outside of revelation. And if that's true, we're in trouble. Why? I'll show you. thought you'd never ask. Chapter 2 of Colossians, verses 1 through 7. <clears throat> He's writing to the church in Colossae. <clears throat> Chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, he says this, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf for those who are in Laodicea and for all of those who have not personally seen my face. That's a really cool phrase right there. I've never been to you people but I have a struggle for you that their hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from what? The full assurance of what? Full assurance of understanding. wonder what that means. If you want to have unity and love and assurance, where are you going to get it? You better have some understanding. Where would that come from? Knowledge, gnosis. Okay? Look what he says. Resulting in the true... What does it say? Knowledge of who? Of God's mysteries. Now listen, it can't be just strictly revelatory. Because he says, I want you to be unified. I want you to be in love. I want you to attain all this wealth. And where will you get it? Knowledge of God's truth. Knowledge of God's truth. So it can't be revelatory can't be revelatory. Look what it says. In whom? Okay, the mystery, that is Christ himself. In whom are all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge? I say this. And I, I like this part. This is for my biblical counseling people. I like this part. This is the one that always gets me in trouble. I say this to you that no one will delude you with per- pervasive arguments. How will you not be persuaded? By our good arguments. Do knowledge. Okay? Look what he says. For even though I am absent in the body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and stability of your what? In Christ Jesus. Where will that come from? Knowledge. These people who are running around saying, let's unite on the person of Jesus but throw out doctrine, what are you telling me? You make your Jesus, I make my Jesus, i will be happy with Jesus. But you'll never have unity. Okay, look what else he says. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, what? Walk in Him. What's he still talking about? The knowledge of God. Truth of God. Having been, therefore, uh, having been fully, firmly rooted and being built up in Him and established in your faith, and you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. See to it that no one takes you captive. You know what that word captive means, right? Chained. Bondage. See that no one takes you bondage to what? Phil and his brother office Philosophy. What is philosophy? Wisdom of man. And what? Empty deception according to what? Tradition of man according to the, the baby talk of the world. That's literally what elementary principles mean. Rather than according to Christ. Okay, and you can read the rest of it yourself. It gives a contrast. That. That's a contrast in verse 8. Here's what man has to offer you. Philosophy, empty talk, and baby talk. Why would you not have full knowledge of God? All right? Check out chapter 3, verses 15 and 16. This is a good one. I like this one here. This is a very good text right here. Let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. I like that idea. You like that idea? I want the peace of Christ to rule my heart. Which you indeed were called in what? You know what another term for that is, right? Church. Sorry. Okay. And be thankful. How? Okay. When the Bible tells me to go do something, I have the mind that says, how you want me to do it? How you want me to do this? I want the peace of Christ. I don't know about the rest of you, but right now I am fired up and I need the peace of Christ. I want the peace of Christ to dwell. I just don't want it to hang out with me. I want it to be there richly. I want that. Okay? Now, if the rest of you don't, that's fine. Go ahead. I want that. I'm not talking about peace with God. I'm talking about the peace... Of God. I can look around and see all this stuff happening, just stop smile and say, doo do do." You may see me tonight with an illegal smile. It doesn't cost very much, but it lasts a long while. But you see what I'm saying? <laughs> all right. Look what it says here. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which you indeed have been called into one body, be thankful. How? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness from your hearts. Okay? Do you see where music comes? I love music. When you sing like I do, you love people singing because it drowns you out. I love to hear people sing. I love praises to God. But where do they come from? Please, note your text. Never does it say get the music to set the move so I can go look at the word of Christ to dwell in me richly. The word of Christ dwells in me richly and out of my heart will come clanging cymbals <laughs> out of mine. <laughs> but, you know, God says, oh, there's some joyful noise. <laughs> okay, go back to the prophetic utterances, Terry. <laughs> okay, do you see what I'm trying to say? Okay. Okay. Where does it come from? Knowledge. That knowledge of the deep things. I mean, the knowledge that I think God spoke existence into being. How could you not praise him and sing? And in my case, by myself. Okay. All right. One other place I want to go. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 2. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know what? All mysteries and all knowledge. Okay? The gift of understanding, understanding the mysteries that have been revealed. If I have this and I know these things, if I have the gift of proclamation and I understand everything and that I proclaim all knowledge is what? Mine. It is ability to understand. It is ability. It's those people who are writers. It is those people who are scholars. Those are teachers. Those are professors. And they come to these and they draw these conclusions. Okay. I want to give you two more illustrations. John MacArthur has six. Okay. I think it's three women and three men who have this gift, who assist him in his study and his preparation. Okay. I think that's right. Dr. Olfer had Miss Vicki. She never married. She was with Dr. Olford and Mrs. Olford for 41 years. She had the gift of knowledge. I seen her office. Way too organized for me. Okay? She had the gift of knowledge. She could read through magazines and knew Dr. Olford well enough to know where he was teaching, what he was studying, and could literally draw articles out of magazines and add them to his sermons. She could read secular articles. She could read Christian articles. And she would bring these to bear. This text bears out here. This text bears out here. This is an illustration of sin. And, and just back and forth, back and forth. Listen, the gift of knowledge is, is basic for the body of Christ. Some of you in this room have it. Okay? Some of you, And you'll know it because you drive me nuts. You do. I've seen you guys. You exercise and I just sit there and go... Mm. Okay? I've seen it. All right? I can... You know what? I've come to the same conclusions. It may take me two years and you just do it in about 20 minutes. Okay? And I don't like you people. Okay? But I am... Dependent on you people who have the gift of knowledge. Uh, My brother was that way. I can talk about him. He ain't here today. He went through four years of high school, never opened a book, carried B's. I could study study and 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 knock myself out and maybe get a low C. Okay? I, I just was. I don't. I don't know. I just never seen anything like my brother. I was it used to. Ooh. Okay, sibling rivalry. I just wanted to kill it. Kill it. That's not right. You shouldn't be that way. We're gene pool. How's come you're smart and I ain't? Okay. God has given me, like I said, about a fifth. And sometimes I don't use that much. Okay. I don't want to burn it out. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have to take empty on knowledge. All right? That's the kind of stuff they are necessary to the body of Christ. Understand what it means. It can be a speaking or written. Both of them have this key to it, to communicate it. Listen, you have the gift of God, knowledge and you don't communicate it, what good is it? It's useless. Absolutely useless. It'd be like a dictionary sitting on a shelf. It's got all kinds of information in there, but if it don't get off that shelf and start talking to me, it is a dust collector. Okay? It's that simple. When you look at these spiritual gifts, you need to look at where we're at and we are looking at gifts that strengthen. Are you on the shelf collecting dust? Are you a book that is ready to be worn out, poured out like a drink offering, poured out like a drink offering. That's the gift, the gift of prophecy, the gift of knowledge. In two weeks, God willing, I'll understand the gift of wisdom and be able to give it to you. Let's pray. Father, I just give you the praise for your word, praise for your gifts, praise for your church. Lord, I just, I am overwhelmed at what you do. And Father, the people that you have brought into our lives in this body of people. Uh, Father, I think that David has spoken here. Uh, I think that Dr. Zodiade has spoken here. Wayne has spoken here. Uh, Father, you have blessed us. And yet, Father, we now need to stand at arms. We need to be ready for the battle. We need to be sacrificial. We need to be armed. And Father, we need to see those with the gift of knowledge up and working. So, Father, we who are not that gifted in knowledge can draw upon the depths of the mysteries of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Father, I just thank you and praise you to your glory and praise. Amen.